Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're in the book of 2 Thessalonians and focusing on some important truths about when Jesus comes again. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truths. So glad to be with you as always, and I mean that. I really am glad to be with you. And uh, whenever I look at this camera, uh, I always think about some people I know are watching or are listening today, and that helps me make it more, more personal. I'm actually thinking about you, which means you need to let me know you're listening. And many of you do a great job on Facebook, commenting, and letting me know that you're out there. But if you're out there in the audio world, and I'd like to know who you are. So maybe leave a comment uh, on the uh, on your podcasting platform or leave a review uh, on Podbean. And I'd love to uh, to know that you're out there. I know that the Yoast family is out there because they gave me this mug, Okinawa, Japan. Uh, my dear friends, Brian and Heather, and thank you for your love for me and for the Lord. I know you're probably listening today. I love the mug, especially because it holds a whole lot of coffee. And uh, that's my mug for the day. We are in chapter number three of our study of the book of Second Thessalonians, just a short book. It's the second letter, obviously, that Paul is writing this church whom he loves so dearly. And he's introducing the final section of the letter here in chapter 3. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. I always kind of smile when I read that because the Apostle Paul was famous for saying, finally, (laughs) like in the book of Philippians, you'll read at the beginning of chapter 3. It's got four chapters. So the beginning of chapter 3 is like halfway through the book. And Paul's saying, finally kind of like your pastor on Sunday morning when he says, in conclusion, and when you first went to that church, you thought, oh, okay, the sermon is almost over. But now you realize that when a pastor says, in conclusion, it really doesn't mean much, does it? Not that I do that, but uh, Paul said, finally, brethren, pray for us. So remember that the Apostle Paul is writing to believers in Thessalonica, members of this church. So finally, brethren, uh, pray for us. And it's interesting because at the end of chapter number two, the Apostle Paul talked about his prayer for them. Remember, I'm bound to give thanks to God for you. I'm bound, brethren, beloved of the Lord, to thank the Lord for what he's done in your life. And then at the end of chapter two, remember the Apostle Paul talked about what his prayer was for them. I'm praying that God would comfort your hearts and God would establish your word and and your works. I'm just praying for you in in this regard. And and I'm glad that the Bible includes some of these scriptural prayers. Why? Because I think if we're not careful, our prayers sometimes center more on physical needs. You know, I want to remember, you know, Aunt Edna's gallbladder surgery and Johnny's history test tomorrow. And, and while it's certainly not wrong to pray for those things, and I'm not diminishing physical concerns, but if you study the prayers of the Bible, uh, the prayer dealt far much more with spiritual needs and spiritual warfare and the souls of men 
And that's the, the point here that Paul is making when he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Now, what specifically does Paul want them to pray about? Well, look, look at verse one. So finally, brethren, pray for us. Here it is, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So Thessalonians, pray for us as we continue to preach. Pray for us as we continue to mentor and disciple and have individual conversations and reach people for Christ. Pray that God would work in such a way that the people to whom we speak would receive the word of God much in the same way that you did. So how did the Thessalonians receive the word of God? Well, it's, it's fortunate for us that God told us. So back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, for instance, God said that the Thessalonians didn't receive the word of God as the word of men, but they received it as it is in truth, the word of God. So when the Thessalonians heard Paul's message, they understood there was far more to it than just Paul. When they heard Sylvanus teaching or Timothy sharing, they knew it was much more than philosophy or opinion. They saw it for what it was, the word of God itself. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, boy, pray that as we speak to others, they would recognize that as well. They would recognize the gospel message for what it is, the powerful truth of God. They would recognize Bible teaching for what it is, biblical truths from the Holy Spirit to the heart of men. Pray about that. And uh, it's important that we do uh, pray that when our pastor preaches and when our Sunday school teacher teaches and when uh, our the people that we know and love share the gospel, that people would see it for what it is. And I, I love the terminology that the Bible uses here, that the word of God may have, that the word of the Lord may have free course. In other words, be uninhibited, uh, wouldn't be on a leash. I think uh, a day or two ago, I introduced that, that dog mug. I love to drink coffee and pet my dog. And I mentioned that we, we've had a few dogs in our family over the years. Most of the dogs that we've owned have had free range. Like we've lived in little country towns and the dog could just go outside and go wherever he wants to go. But we've also lived in neighborhoods where we've had to regrettably put our dog on a leash. Or in one instance, we even bought the electronic fence thing with the collar. And I always felt bad about that because a dog is born to run and to roam. And I just always felt a bit guilty about a good, healthy dog being limited by that chain, be limited by that leash, being limited by that quadrant of electric fence. And, and the, the idea that the Apostle Paul is bringing to us in chapter 3 and verse 1 is that the Word of God should not be on a leash. The Word of God ought to be free to go where it can go, to reach where it can reach, not to return again void. And the Apostle Paul said, pray for that. Pray that the Word of God has maximum benefit, maximum reach, free range. Uh, range. I think about what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian elders when he said that uh, when he left, that grievous wolves from among them would come in and seek to limit 
the Word of God or, or change the message that Paul had preached or, or in some way countermand the doctrine that they had been given. And, and that's where Paul goes here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. Because his prayer request in verse 1 is, hey, pray for us that the Word of God would have free course, would not be leashed. But then look at verse number 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So what is one of the ways by which the Word of God is inhibited? When there are unreasonable and wicked men that seek to uh, squash it, that want to limit its, uh, its scope. And Paul said, pray, pray that we would del- be delivered from that. Uh, now, I do know that in circumstances where unreasonable men got involved in Paul's life, like, for instance, uh, in his first Roman imprisonment, Paul said, hey, the word of God's not bound. And even though we're in prison, we have some prison opportunities. So I do understand that side of it. But on a very practical side, we ought to be praying that uh, the word of God can have free course and that the opponents of the word of God would be limited, uh, that these unreasonable and wicked men uh, would not have the kind of power and sway and influence that they want to have. Pray, pray, pray. I wonder how often the gospel is limited simply because we as God's people are not praying for its propagation are not praying for its free reign. I think about Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul taught us so much about spiritual warfare. And at the end of that passage on spiritual warfare, he talked about the power of prayer, praying always, uh, and praying with all supplication for all saints. I'm not quoting it correctly, but you know what I'm saying. At the end of that passage on spiritual warfare— And then the Apostle Paul is quick to add, and for us, that that you would pray that God would give us boldness, that we ought to speak the Word of God and the gospel as it ought to be spoken. Wow, what a request that if Paul, the great champion of the gospel, that if Paul, the intrepid warrior of missions work, if Paul needed for people to pray for him for boldness and pray for him for success in gospel ministry, then how much more should you and I be praying the same kinds of prayers? And how much more should we be soliciting the prayers of other people that they would pray for us, that we would evangelize and witness and be the soul winners that God wants us to be? I hope that's your prayer, and I hope you'll pray for somebody about that even today. Well, that's all the time that we have for today's episode. So we're going to quit there in verse number two. We'll come back to verse number three, Lord willing, next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.